You want me to do what? Next on the Midweek Move. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Midweek Move. I am Scott. And man, last week you guys had Carlos in Dallas. It was an amazing, uh, awesome opportunity. Acts chapter 8 with Stephen and just kind of everything that was going on with that. We see this um, new character in the plot line come in uh, with this name of Saul. And so we're going to dig into Acts chapter 9 today. We are super honored to have uh, a friend of ours, a friend of mine, uh, an awesome guy, and also, by the way, recognized by the governor of the state of Louisiana as Webster Parish Teacher of the Year, Logan is with us today. How you doing, man? Thank you for the intro. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Logan is not just uh, a student of the word, but he is a history teacher, so he's going to give us a little backdrop and some uh, history uh, and we're going to just kind of walk through this. We're not just going to talk about history, but we're also going to talk about, man, the Word of God has something to say to us, right? And oh, no. always has something to pour into our own lives. What can we learn from it? So you guys know the drill. We're just going to go line by line, verse by verse, and we'll make some stops. But just take a deep dive with us today. Acts chapter number nine. So again, we have left... Saul has uh, witnessed and been a part of the death of Stephen, this man full of faith and power. Uh, Christ is being preached into places that Christ has never been preached. This crazy thing happens with Philip where he speaks to an Ethiopian, he mm -hmm. baptizes him, and then he disappears, by the way, right. and then he reappears somewhere else. <laughs> So when we talk about the Bible, we talk about some things that happen that maybe we only see in movies sometimes that they try to reenact. Totally. But yeah. this stuff is really happening. Oh, no doubt. Really happening. Real events. So here we are, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So right off the bat, we have this guy, Saul. So mm -hmm. give us a little insight into this guy, Saul, kind of what, what's happening with him, where is he coming from, and all of this. So if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to the Roman Empire and the way they operated, they had such a vast empire, they had to rely on the municipal governments to kind of carry out their will. So Saul was one of these guys who worked for the Sanhedrin, worked for the Jewish authorities, and they're cr trying to crush this revival <laughs> right. of Christianity uh, that's popping up that a lot of Jews and Romans view as a threat to their authority. That's right. So this guy is working for him. He is Heidrich Himmler <laughs> of the synagogue, yeah, finding right. people. Right. Some of you will up. totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's what he's doing. So one thing that we've dealt with with Saul is that he actually thinks that he, what he is doing is right. Right, right. Like yeah, he, he thinks actually, he's carrying out God's will. That's and, right. Yeah. That's right. So he actually thinks that, hey, what I'm doing is right. Uh, I, I, you know, again, in his mind, he's not necessarily like, okay, I'm working for the Sanhedrin or I'm working for these people. Yes, I'm, I'm doing those right. things, but I'm doing this to protect 
right. God, to protect God's way, because he even speaks about the way, people who are of the way, right. whether men or women, uh, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So here's this guy. Literally, it says in verse one, he's still breathing threats. Right. So it's not like he's just hanging out. He's good to go. He's all chilled out. It's like he's filled with anger, rage. Yes. Like he's going to do what he feels like is right no matter what. And then all of a sudden he's on he's on the way and we'll find out later. He's not alone. He's got people traveling with him, like you said. Yeah. It's not just him, but it's there are other people. That's yeah. right, his entourage. Yeah. That basically his muscle. Right. He's yeah. going to give the order and then they're going to carry it out. Yeah, right. Just like they did with Stephen. Yeah. It said that he kind of stood off to the side. He wasn't throwing the rocks and stoning him, but he had given the order. Right. For that to happen. So here he is, he's on his way, and all of a sudden he falls to the ground and he hears a voice. Now, here we have a religious Jew who has dual citizenship, by the mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. A religious Jew is also is all of a sudden hearing a voice. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty radical. I mean, you almost think for this guy to go from what he was to what he'd become, something like that. Would have to happen. <laughs> have to happen. Exactly. Right. You know, we were talking yesterday about um, a, a guy had kind of shared an encounter that he had had, and he was kind of raised up in this way that you don't hear from God. Yeah. Like you read the Bible, but you don't hear from God. God right. doesn't speak to you. You definitely don't say, the Lord said this. Uh -huh. But what has ha started happening in this guy's life is God has started to speak to him. Right. <laughs> and, and just like last week, he was talking about, man, in the middle of the night, I heard like, Hey, get up. Yeah. He's like, I'm looking around going, there's nobody here. My house is right. quiet. My wife didn't say anything, at least in that night, yeah. not in that voice, you know? Right. He's like, I get up in the middle of the night and I go and I just hear something say, get on your knees. And for him, he said exactly what you said. For him, it had to happen that way. Yeah. It couldn't have been Logan going, hey man, you can hear from the Lord. Right. It couldn't be Scott. <laughs> hey man, you can hear from the Lord. Yeah. Like he had to have that encounter with with the Lord. And God will get us all in the way that we need to be God. That's a good way to put Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. My Southern Heflin translation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So here we have, and we know in our Bibles, it has the words in red. So we know Jesus is speaking. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, I do believe it's, it's really interesting what he says in he verse says, five. Well, and that he says, me. That's right. Why are you persecuting me? Right, so bringing right. it back to the way, exactly. the believers, the Christians. But I think it's super important of what his response is to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he said, who are you, Lord? Yeah. Like, it's almost like he knows this is not just some voice. Yeah. Right? This is a voice with authority. Yeah, some authority. That's why he's saying Lord. That's like, right. Like, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. Because Lord yeah. in those days didn't necessarily mean Jesus. Right, exactly. It just meant something, people that had maybe control over you or they had authority over you. Right. They would call you Lord. Or just, somebody to show respect to. That's right. That's right. Sir. Yes, sir. Yep. So who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Or as the Southern people would say, kick the pricks. That's right. That's right. That's right. So what is that terminology? What, 
when he says kick against. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it has something to do with like oxen and like plowing ground. And they use those, those pricks or those goads to keep them in line. Yeah. So he's talking about like the impossibility of kicking. Why do you kick against? Why are you trying to go against? Why are you coming against? And he says right off the bat, I am Jesus. Right. Whom you're persecuting. Like, and so now he's totally confronted. Verse six makes total sense now. So he trembling and astonished. Now this is a guy that was just, he was just dealing out threats. He was just full of rage. He was going to take down everybody who was in the way. Now. Completely humbled. (laughs) That's right. Completely. That's right. It's almost like we talked about on Sunday. Like you can humble yourself. Or you can be humble. Or you can. (laughs) I would rather humble myself. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he says, trembling and astonished, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Which I think is just a crazy response from this guy. Yeah. Because it's not like, okay, let me figure out who this Jesus is. He's just like, you're Jesus. What do you want me to do? Immediately. Like, it's crazy what's going on here. So he says, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now, this isn't that crazy to me because basically what he's been doing is he's been doing what he's been told to do. Yeah, right. Just like you said, he's under orders. From the Sanhedrin, Mm -hmm. you go do this. And he's used to saying, okay, I'm going to go do that. So that isn't so much out of character. Right. Like when he's getting his word. And so the men who journeyed with him, and here comes his entourage, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. So I think it's really cool that not only is Saul hearing this voice, Mm -hmm. but the people around him, although they're not seeing what he's seeing, they're hearing it. So do you think they're hearing like the audible, like them, him saying, I am Jesus, or do you think it's just they hear something? Well, it says in the man who journey and the men who journey with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. So that does leave it a little open-ended. Yeah, right. Like, are they just kind of hearing something else talking mm-hmm. to Saul or are they actually hearing what is being said? And you've got to think about what these guys are thinking too. Like this guy that's like probably saying, we're going to go get these Christians, this and that. Now your leader is now saying, hey, we're going to do something completely opposite now. Well, and here's this guy that was full of confidence and courage right. and boldness. And he's trembling. Like yeah, he's scared broken. on the ground. Like he's just broken. Yeah. And we would kind of equate it to like, he's probably pale. Uh-huh. He's probably just like trembling yeah. and shaking. And he's talking to someone who's not there. Right. Like these guys had to be freaking out a little bit. Yeah. Like what? This dude's going crazy. <laughs> What's happening? Because it, it says they stood speechless. We don't know if they's, they're standing speechless because of what they're seeing in their leader right. or because of what's being said by the voice that they're hearing. They themselves are humbled a little bit. By That's right. What's happening? It's like yeah. something else is going on here and we're probably on our way to touch something we shouldn't. Right. Right. right? So verse eight. So then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. So it gives the connotation as if his eyes were closed. Right. Right. So his eyes were open. He saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. So he opens his eyes, which means sees no one. They had to lead him. He's blind. Verse 9, and he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of discussion of why does he go blind? Mm-hmm. Why does he not see? Do you have any thoughts on that? 
Now we're not talking about, hey, this is Bible 101. Right, right. Just, just kind of our thoughts. Initial thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one, I mean, there's the three days thing. That's a recurring theme through the Bible. You That's know? right. And, um, you know, I think it has a lot to do with his symbolism of being blind to the things of God. And now that in his spirit, he's starting to see the things of God, he's blinded in the physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when that Holy Spirit hits him, it's going to come off after three days. So it's kind of sim- symbolism to me of like the resurrection almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like from death to new life almost. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's good. That's good. All right. Verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple. Now this is where we get back to our intro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and to to him, the Lord said in a vision. Now he's having a vision. Ananias is having a vision. Yeah. Ananias, here's another, here's the voice again. And he said, here I am, Lord, almost kind of similar to what Saul was saying. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Now, the moment Jesus says that name, Ananias knows exactly who he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> for behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So the Lord comes to Ananias, who's full on for Jesus. You're right. He's in the way, You're right? and he's one of the ones that this Saul would have been coming after. No doubt. But now Jesus is saying, hey, by the way, I've already told him that you're coming to him. <laughs> to what now? That yeah. you're coming to him and you're going to lay your hands on him yeah. so that he can receive sight. Right. Where is Ananias at with this? Oh, my gosh. You're just human nature would be like, are you sure? I mean, I know you're God and everything, but uh, Saul, like right. this guy that's coming to kill me. And you got to keep in mind, I mean, there's nothing that you look at in Acts that says this guy was of particular importance. He wasn't a leader in the church necessarily. You know, he, this is just a normal dude that loves Jesus, you know? Yeah. And you're telling me to go tell the main guy that's killing us all, lay hands on him, and what now? Right. That's where, I mean, that's where I would be at. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's what Ananias answers, verse 13. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him many things he must suffer for my namesake. So Jesus is going, look, I have chosen him, even though you don't think so, even though everything he's done says no, Mm -hmm. I have chosen him. And what an incredible lesson for us. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I think that, that we're cool with people coming to Jesus that we're comfortable with. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I know what you mean, man. Yeah. 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 So, but when that person who's either hurt us or maybe they've done something to us or people that we know, or just like Ananias, I've heard that this dude is bad. (laughs) No doubt. Right. And I mean, we were like that to some people, I'm sure. That's right. Like the way we were, the ways we've messed up, like, oh, that dude's doing what now? That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. So it goes both ways. You can kind of see how it feels to be on both sides of it. So how, like, how do you, like, how do you get there though, when you're okay with that? Like, how do you, how do you get to that place where no matter what a person has done, 
because the world is going to try to shock us and they're going to try to, that spirit of the world is going to try to make us believe that there are some who are non-redeemable. Right. 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 Because that's the spirit of the age of mm -hmm. trying to, trying to bring into question the redemption that Jesus offers us, right. that somehow it'd only be for a certain group of people and not this person. Yeah, it's like it's almost works-based. That's like, right. Yeah. Where Jesus came and he's like, all. Right. Like, like God is no respecter of persons, mm -hmm. and, and, and the Lord is not willing that any should perish, yeah. but that all would come. So how do we get to that place where when we're in Ananias, and the Lord comes and says, listen, this person is a chosen vessel, but we're looking at him going, <laughs> I don't think so. And I think that's just our our natural flesh just wanting us to, I mean, like you said, the spirit of the world. And I think the spirit of the flesh, like we don't want to accept that they are different now. And that even though we say we know God can change everybody, when it's somebody that's personally persecuting you yeah. or have wronged you, it's more difficult. Oh, no doubt. So it's just kind of keeping perspective and remember, remembering that in the eyes of God, we were just sinners like they were. You know, what we've d done is just as bad as what they've done. So it's like, you know, those who give forgiveness will get forgiveness. You yeah. Know? Just keeping that perspective in mind. It's almost like that whole thing where sometimes we are more willing that somebody outside our own family give their life to Jesus than those that in our own right. family. Right. Like we're even praying for them. Yeah. But because we know them and we know everything that they've done. Right. And even Jesus that was perfect being from Nazareth, people from Nazareth were like, now what now? Right. That, the carpenter's son? Right. Even him, you know. So yeah. This man of no reputation. Of no reputation. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So. All right, so it sets up this encounter. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul. Like now, somewhere between Ananias's journey from where the Lord spoke to him to getting to this house, mm -hmm. he has come to grips in his own heart that this man has been changed. Right. Or he would not have addressed him as brother exactly. Saul. Exactly. He's one of us now, yeah. That's right, because it would have been Saul the persecutor, Correct. not brother Saul. Right. Right? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, put yourself in Saul's shoes. Here comes somebody that you have been persecuting. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's already told you, this guy's going to come and he's going to lay hands on you. Uh-huh. Right? Like lay hands, like throw fists. Is like, that what <laughs> <laughs> like lay hands on you. Right? <laughs> so what is he thinking? Because yeah. he can't see. Right. Right? Yeah. He No sight. He's completely surrendered to the will of this guy who's coming to him, who right. he knows knows him, uh -huh. and knows he's been persecuting his friends and killing his friends. Right. And quite possibly with Stephen had witnessed the death of one of the most, I don't say t Stephen was maybe one of the most famous, but what God was doing through him at that time right. was known throughout the whole region. It was very public. Right. You know? yeah. Like Stephen wasn't just some dude that was in some back room somewhere that gets killed. Right. What God was doing through him was known everywhere. So that death was not only very public, but also to the Christians and the believers like, this is one of our main dudes. Yeah. Like he right. was chosen by the apostles to be a deacon, but the Holy Spirit was moving through this guy to like raise the dead and yeah. heal people. 
One recurring theme that I see both with Saul and Ananias is the fact that God, like like he does, shows you one step at a time. It's like that lamp into my feet thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You keep seeing that. And they just, they don't know the whole picture, both Saul and Ananias. And they're just doing one step at a time what God told them to do. Yeah, that's such a great point. Listen, if you are right now listening to this or watching this, like Logan brings up such a great point is that so many times we want the whole picture, but the reason why God doesn't give us the whole picture is because we'll mess it up. Like if we see the steps, all of a sudden we'll be, we'll start trying to move things around to get to that yeah, step. Like this is how we get there. Yeah. yeah. And then we won't even get there <laughs> exactly because we right. put our hands on it. So it's just like, oh no, take this one step of obedience, yeah. then take this next step of obedience. Just be obedient. Totally. So here we've got probably a little reciprocation happening here where Ananias now, who felt like he wasn't in control at all and Saul was going to come kill him. Now he's in control of the scenario, mm -hmm. so to speak. Right. But he's just being obedient to God. Yeah. Saul, who was in control of everything, now is in control of nothing. And could be thinking, this guy's going to come kill me. He's going to come kill me. Revenge for Stephen. That's you know? right. That's right. So, uh, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as, as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Saul, although he knows the law and he is versed in that, mm -hmm. he's not versed in being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. He may have known the terminology, but what was being said, but what that would mean to him, he wouldn't have any context for that at all. Right. So verse 18 Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. So when he received food, he was strengthened, and then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So Ananias lays his hands on him, and all of a sudden his eyes are opened. So you talked about, you know, eyes closed, mm -hmm. kind of the meaning of that. Three days without sight, boom, the scales drop. Scales come off the house, yeah. It's like, boom. Right. And it wasn't necessarily Ananias' hands, right. but it was what Ananias said. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Totally. Like you've already submitted to Jesus. You've already said, what do you want me to do, Lord? That was your conversion moment. Right. You've given your life to Jesus. Now these three days, that's been mulling over in your heart. And now mm -hmm. you're going, okay, God, whatever you want to do with me, I'm good. Right. Boom. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit, that empowering now. And the eyes are Scales open. Scales come off. That's yeah. right. See that, Logan, that's one of the things. And, and for all of you. When we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like this immersion in the Spirit, we're talking about, hey, you come to Christ, you accept Christ, you're given the Spirit of God, but that's not all. Right. Like there's coming a moment where God's going to ask you to do something you can't just do because you prayed a prayer. Totally. You're going to have to have an empowering of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit for right. real, mm -hmm. not just a prayer to be able to have your heart open that God really can do anything. Right. That's almost like that. Uh, it's not save. It's not just saving faith. It's like a supernatural faith. Totally. And that reminds me of like what uh, Dallas and Carlos were talking about in the last chapter, like um, Simon, not the Simon that we usually talk about, but the, the, the guy was like a, the a sorcerer. Yeah. Like sorcerer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Come a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's doing all this stuff, but not like Lord of the Rings. He yeah, wasn't not like, like in a cave not floating around. <laughs> yeah. We're already talking about the way the Mandalorian reference. That's right. I think we're on an episode of geek devotions all of a sudden, but, uh, you know, he was, um, he was pointing everything back towards him yep. and, you know, and I feel like even to some degree, he was saying like, this is from, Yahweh, like, I don't know, but I am the power. 
as they said, I am the power. But, you know, the other guys, the, the real followers of Christ were pointing it always back to Christ. So were there miracles? Yes. So that's kind of what you said with uh, Ananias. He's pointing it back to Jesus. Yep. That's one reason I think God used him. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. He knew that pride wouldn't get in the way yeah. and he wouldn't go to his own selfish desire, which would to be really to lay hands on. Slap him in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to throw hands. <laughs> lay hands or throw hands. I'm not sure. That's right. Verse 20. And this is so cool with Saul. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Within three days, like three days he was without sight. And then it, and it says that he spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So we're not sure exactly how many days, but say we're looking at six days, seven mm -hmm. days. Yeah. This dude goes from murderous religious zealot yeah. to full on on fire for Jesus, immediately preaching the Christ in the synagogues. Right. For him to be preaching Christ in the synagogue, now you have this guy who is actually armed with the law yeah. and the prophecies of the Old Testament prophets. Right. Like, it's not just like he's just firing off from the Holy Ghost. He's also got the knowledge. Yeah, he can point back to what they already acknowledge as the truth. That's right. He can yeah. point back to Isaiah 53, 54, yeah. 55. That was prophesying of the coming Messiah yeah. and say, this is the guy. Yeah. Like, he can go back to the minor prophets. And do you think in, like, his persecution of the Christians, like, he might have picked up on some of that and that was already kind of swirling? I mean, I'm just assuming, but, you know, he had to be like, they're saying this. And that verse has to be swirling around in his head. So we don't know what he was thinking. Right. You know what I mean? It's like he could have, before he got hit with this light, been like, you know what? That's kind of eerily similar to Isaiah. <laughs> and then he gets hit with this light and then yeah, it all clicks. Well, there's no telling what's happening to him in those three days. Yeah, that you know? too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if you do use that as an allegory or a parallel mm -hmm. to Christ in the three days, yeah. then you're talking about going into the depths of hell and you're talking about yeah. all these things are going on inside of you. What he's feeling, what he's thinking. Can't see anything. Can't see anything. So he can't use his natural sight yeah. to bring him back to the natural. It's all him. Yeah. The only thing he can see is him. He's trapped in his head. That's his right. Head, yeah. So in those three days, is he going, yeah. oh, Isaiah 53. Oh, Starting Isaiah 54. Oh, Isaiah 50. How many times have I quoted that? And yeah. this is the guy. And there it is. Yeah. And so when Ananias and that's comes the scales to, coming off of his eyes. That's I mean, right. Yeah. That's a, the, the total full revelation. Yeah. So he preaches Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. And then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? So now they're going, wait a second, this dude is just preaching to trick us so right. he can That's kill what I would us. think. Oh, yeah. This is an elaborate trap. That's yeah. what I would think. He's just know. pretending. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like Ananias. This guy's come. He's, he's, he's messing with me. Like it has to be a vision from God if right. I'm going to lay hands on this guy. That's know? right. That's right. I mean. So they are amazed, but at the same time they're going, no, this, this something's not right here. Yeah. Verse 22, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Mm -hmm. Not preaching, proving. I think it's interesting that that word is used there. That, that because of his knowledge, mm -hmm. and it says he increased all the more in strength, that coming from the Holy Spirit, 
and confounded the Jews, religious zealots, religious Jews. Now he's not just armed with knowledge of the of the law and the prophetic. Now he is armed with the Holy the Spirit. The Holy Spirit in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is the kicker that's confounding them and then proving that Jesus is right. Christ. Because you can debate somebody all day on theology and what's right and what's wrong, but you're never going to get them here. The Holy Spirit gets them here. Yep. In your in their hearts, that's the difference. And know? then when it starts there, then it starts totally. moving. It. Yeah, it's total yeah. enlightenment. So then, verse twenty three. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. Verse twenty six. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, here we go again. Yeah. I always love to stop here uh-huh. because this is such a great um, this is such a great bridge into our current culture. Even mm-hmm. is that sometimes God will do something in us, and when we're ready to share that, sometimes we share it with the wrong people. Yeah, they can't handle it. Right, right. So it's almost like. We get saved, we get filled with the Holy Ghost, and we go straight back to our family. And we're like, hey, I'm We new. expect them to be as excited about it as we are, and they're not. <laughs> and we're like, hey, I'm changed. Yeah. And they're like, no, I know what you did yesterday. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it a week. Yeah. yeah, right. So it's like, they're like, no, you're going to have to prove yourself, right? So here, the disciples in this context, and we'll see a little bit further, in this context, they really are his brothers. Mm-hmm. They're really not fathers of the faith. They're really not the the super spiritual mature to be able to handle somebody like Saul getting saved. Yeah. Again, it goes back to what we said at the very beginning. Not everyone can handle everyone getting saved. Yeah. They're like you. You are the enemy still. Like you don't deserve Jesus. That's right. It's <laughs> almost like the story of the prodigal son with the elder brother. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Where uh-huh. it's like the the prodigal comes back and the dad's running. He's going throw a party. My son's come home. And, and I did brother, everything right. Yeah. And the elder brother's like, whoa, wait a second. I've That's been so here true, the whole yeah. time. Like what? Like he can't be different. Right. Don't you know what he did? Almost like he wanted his brother to have to pay. Yeah. For what he had done. Right. And then the father's response to him was, you've been here the whole time. You've had access to all this and you never ask. Yeah. Like, man, what a. That is a good, that's a good tie right there. Yeah. Like what an amazing, and we can even get caught up in that where Mm. we're so insulated in the church bubble. And then all of a sudden somebody from the outside comes (laughs) in and they're on fire Yeah, and they're doing everything. And we're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. I've been here the whole time, man. Like. Slow down. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like, what's <laughs> happening here? Like, yeah. I've paid my dues, Yeah, man. paid your dues. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like, you got to pay your dues instead of being excited yeah. that, oh my gosh, like, that dude used to be messed up. Yeah, it's like Christians almost like throw a blanket on fire sometimes. Like, like sometimes you'll be like, well, don't get burnt out. Like, I understand don't get burnt out, but if somebody's got a legit fire, fan the flames. Yeah, right, let right. It, let it you know, get, get on you too, you know? Right. So he comes to his brothers. They're not fanning the flames. Yeah. They're like, we don't, we're, we're not even gonna throw water on it. We just don't want to deal with yeah, it. Yeah. Just, uh, so verse 27, but Barnabas, and I love Barnabas, man, that son of encouragement, this dude is always looking for opportunities for people to, and we talk about next steps all the time. This dude was always looking 
at someone's next step. Oh yeah. Like how can I help them to take their next step? But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Mm -hmm. Now we go from the brothers to the fathers. Right. Now we're not saying father, like in terms of the father, we're talking about the spiritually mature, like a Paul was to Timothy. Mm Mm-hmm where he calls Timothy a son in the faith, even though he wasn't his son, he was like a spiritual Spiritual mentor. So Barnabas brings him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he's sharing his testimony with the apostles. So he was with them at Jerusalem. And this is so key coming in and going out. What does that mean? That means he is doing the ministry with the apostles. Okay. And basically what I see in this, mm-hmm. he is proving his transformation to the apostles. Yeah. Not because the apostles are saying, prove yourself. Right. But basically what happens is he comes and tells his testimony, which it says right there. Mm-hmm. And then it says they bring him in and they're bringing him in and going out with them doing the work of the ministry. Yeah. So he's in the in the mix with them every day doing ministry. Basically, they're saying what the brothers were not able to say. Yeah. The brothers didn't want him going in or coming out with them at all. Like they didn't want to be seen with them. Yeah. We don't want to deal with this. We're not sure it's real. And basically, apostles are like, oh, we're not afraid of this. Right. But we're also not just going to take your testimony at face value. Right, yeah. We want to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Uh, yeah, that a fruit inspector, as my grandpa would say. Exactly. <laughs> so it's almost like when you talk about fathers and mothers, sometimes brothers and sisters don't want their siblings to succeed mm-hmm. because somehow they think that diminishes them. Yet a father mm-hmm. and a mother looks at them and goes, no, 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 I don't want you to have to pay the dues that I had to. I want my ceiling to be your floor. Yeah. But... I want to see it in action in your life. Right. Right? Yeah. I don't want you to just tell me about it. I want you to do it. Yeah. And that's really what's happening that's here. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So verse 28. So he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. Now, we've talked about the Hellenists and the the, the zealots within the Hellenists. Mm-hmm. So he's just like going straight in. He's not starting in the shallow end. He's going all the way in the deep end. Yeah. And But they attempted to kill him. Now, this is the second time that somebody's attempted to kill him, and we're only like a couple of weeks from him being saved. Oh, yeah. We think we get saved, and our boss kind of says something about our faith, and we're like, oh, please, don't do that. Yeah. They're trying to kill him. They're trying to kill him, yeah. He's two weeks after conversion. Right. And there's already been two attempts on his life. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Why? Because his background was what? Violence. Mm -hmm. Like he was used to seeing violence, seeing persecution from the other side of it. Yeah. Yet he also stood there when Stephen looked into heaven. Yeah. And had... and had glory around him and didn't utter hardly a word while he was being stoned to death because he saw the resurrected Jesus. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like he has that in his head. And you're talking about him kind of having that, uh, that history of violence and being on the other side of it. I mean, that makes it that much more intense because he knows firsthand what's going to be done to him. Yep. So I think more than anything, that proves that, I guess to the apostles and the other disciples that this guy's legit. And you know, another thing, Logan, that it brings up is that he knew the rage and the anger of the Hellenists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what was in them. Yeah. 
But he also knew that if he could change, they could too. They could too. Yeah, man, that if we if we could get that revelation when we're talking to people, yeah, like no matter how hardcore they are, no mm-hmm. matter how bad they're coming back at us, yeah, if we could just see them in the lens of us and how we were able to change then I think it opens up a whole other door of what we can uh, absorb from the world. Right. And we kind of forget how we were. That's right. We do. Yep. Man, there's so much here. This is so good. Verse 30, when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. And here's, man, this is such a kicker right here. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So it wasn't just they were walking in the fear of the Lord, and it wasn't just that they were walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The balance. Both and. Yeah. So I think what we've got is maybe a church world here that's angry and mean and, mm-hmm. you know, fear of God, fear of God, fear of God, fear of God. Yeah. And then you have this this realm over here that's like, oh, yeah. 1968 Jesus, Woodstock, cool, comfort, right. peace. I don't want anything that feels bad. Well, it's kind of like people can look at God two different ways. They can kind of look at him like, oh, this authoritarian father that's out to get you and he's going right. to hit you with lightning. Or like, oh, I can just do this and ask for forgiveness. Like God's almost a pushover. That's right. You know what I mean? And the truth is he's a comforter but he is to be feared too. That's right. Not so, not that we're to be afraid of right. him, but we're to be in awe. In awe and healthy. Of how his greatness, yeah. like he is God. Absolutely. Right? And we need to reverence that. When we reverence that, we won't necessarily be afraid of him. Totally. But we also won't take him for granted. Right. That's right. The pushover part. Totally. Treat him as a pushover. Correct. So now the church is exploding. This man, Saul, gets converted, and all of a sudden, the church is just blown up. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints uh, who dwelt in Lydia. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. And then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So... Now the church is exploding. Peter, we kind of see Peter's back on the scene. So kind of the narrative goes back to Peter and what's going on with him and what God is doing in him. Then verse 36, at Joppa, so now you're talking about all this stuff is happening around that whole entire region. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did, but it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room, which we know historically was the pattern. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. And since Lydia was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay his coming to them. So Peter arose, went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics, garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out. Now, Jewish culture says that somebody dies, there has to be weeping and wailing. Mm -hmm. And then at times they were paid mourners. Right, right. Professional mourners. (laughs) That's right. right, Professional mourners, which we see those today. Yeah, uh, you're right. You can write it down. And I've done a lot of funerals and I've been at a lot of funerals. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people who haven't dealt with their own grief and their own issues are some of the ones who will come to a funeral 
for a person, they don't even really know. Totally. But they know somebody's connected to it. And the moment they walk in, they begin to just. You're totally right. In there, and you can almost point to them and go, oh, wow. Like they have some unresolved stuff. Yeah. Like it's not even about the person who the funeral is for. Right. It's like you're a guy you worked with dad or something. And then it just. That's right. Like you needed to go and cry. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now you're bringing the attention to yourself. Totally. That's exactly right. That's right. Yeah. And so now instead of comforting a person who is grieving the loss They're of their loved one. They want you to comfort them. That's right. <laughs> I, that's true. I'm man. telling you, man. I've you seen can, that. You yeah. can see it over and over again. Yeah. And that's what's happening is that they're kind of they're kind of weeping and they're 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 showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made. So now they're making this big spectacle of it. And Peter puts them out and mm -hmm. kneels down and prays. Some people can't handle that. Yeah. There are times when I've come into a, a hospital room and I've been asked by the patient, get them out of here. Yeah. If they don't believe, get them out of here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when you're looking at a room full of strangers and you're like, hey, by the way, if you don't believe, you need to get out of this room. <laughs> <laughs> right. You wouldn't think that that would set a stage for faith, but it really does yeah. because- if, if you have doubt and fear in the room and anxiety in the room, it is going to push back against yeah. faith. It's like that spiritual atmospheric warfare. That's right. Yeah. You're almost creating a, a, an atmosphere of chaos rather than order. Yeah. The young people call it vibes, but. Vibes. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> Bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. So Peter puts them all out, kneels down and pray. And turning to the body, he said, now he's speaking to a dead person. Mm-hmm. Tabitha arise and she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, man, this is like, this is movie type stuff right oh, yeah. here. Right. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. Now this goes all the way back to Peter and John at the gate. And the man looks up to receive something. And Peter says, silver and gold have I not, but such as I give, I, I give it to you in the name of Jesus. His bones don't pop until Peter reaches out his hand. And he gives him his hand, and when he does, boom, bones are popping. Right. Same thing here. He speaks to her. She gets up. She's alive. Yeah. But he reaches that his hand out. physical touch. Man, there's yeah. something about physical touch. Right. A healthy, godly physical touch right. that is healing unto itself. No doubt. Putting your hand on somebody's shoulder. Well, and even yeah. speaking like as it has to do with a funeral. Sometimes when you go to so like true. a visitation yeah. or something, it's not... Sometimes they don't need you to say anything. Right. But just to reach out. Just to be there. And just that touch. Yeah. Man, just brings healing. So good. Then he gave her his hand, lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. And we're going to leave you there because we're going to find out next week why Simon the Tanner's house is so important, why Joppa's important, and why this uh, little-known guy from the Italian regiment all of a sudden becomes the centerpiece Cornelius for all the Gentiles, even me, no doubt, to come on into this beautiful thing all the way back to Abraham. That's our story. That's our story. story. That's right. That's, right, yeah. That's our story. Yeah. Man. Whew, what a deep dive. What'd you think, Logan? Oh, it's fun. I enjoyed it. Love it. Man. Love it. Listen, what's your big takeaway from Acts chapter nine today? You know, for me personally, I'm I'm kind of one of those people that look at I want to see the whole picture. And like I just kind of look at what they had to do and obeying the Lord and taking it one step at a time. I feel like that's what they had to do and what I have to remind myself of 
Yeah. yeah. I think my big takeaway from Acts chapter nine is remembering what the Lord has done in me mm-hmm. so that I can then give that same grace and I can still, and I can see that potential in a person, no matter what they have done, Totally. but realize that, that God really is, he, he redeems the unredeemable. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> he really does. And then God will do amazing things if we'll just be open to it. Mm-hmm. And I see myself in Saul. I see myself in Ananias where right. God's asked me to do some super uncomfortable things. And I'm, I'm just like, you. really, God, seriously, you want me to do what? <laughs> really? No doubt. And then even like Saul, okay, Lord, like, I don't even know what's going on. You want me to do what? Yeah. Like both of them were kind of in the similar situation. They really were, yeah. So good. Hey, I hope you guys have enjoyed this today. I hope you guys have taken out of this as much as we have today, just having a conversation. Listen, Bible study doesn't have to be this thing where there's one person sitting in a room in front of you and everybody's silent and never says anything. And you just kind of take what's being said and go with that. Man, Bible study is about having a conversation and just going, man, what's really going on in here? Right. And what can I take from this and apply to my own life? Mm -hmm. Simple less than an hour conversation and we just went through 40 something verses in the word of God. And we could have talked a lot more. And we could have talked a lot more. (laughs) Hey guys, thank you for joining us in the midweek move. We so appreciate um, you guys just checking out what we're doing. And uh, man, if you really like what's going on, let us know uh, about that either below or let us know at media hub at thpshreveport.com. Give a shout out to Logan. And uh, tell him how much you uh, appreciate him and what you got out of this. And we would appreciate that so much. So until next time, man, bless you guys. I hope you have a, uh, a great week until we see you next time.